every jurisdiction, every municipality has its own requirements and expectations, and, and the surprises don't happen until you start breaking ground. Just be patient, expect surprises, and be able to pivot. Welcome to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast featuring conversations with leaders of the energy transition, hosted by Smart Energy Decisions founder, John Fiella. In each episode of Smart Energy Voices, John digs deep with industry movers and shakers to reveal insights you can learn from in their stories, personalities, and visions for the future. All right, let's dive in. Hi, everyone. I'm John Fiella, and welcome back to Smart Energy Voices. On today's episode, I'm thrilled to share a panel discussion we hosted at our recent Renewable Energy Sourcing Forum on the topic of innovative approaches to achieving renewable energy and climate goals. This exciting panel features Valerie Cardwell, Executive Director, Office of Sustainability at Comcast, Beth Watayez, Global Environmental Operations Director and Senior Vice President for Bank of America, and the panel's moderated by Becky Sternberg, Vice President, Energy and Climate Practice at Three Degrees. Beth and Valerie are going to share their renewable energy and climate goals, plus their strategies for achieving them on this episode of Smart Energy Voices. It's a great opportunity to look behind the curtain at these two large corporate buyers of renewable energy and not only understand their sustainability commitments, but the obstacles they're overcoming to make things happen. Let's get right to the conversation. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this session on innovative approaches to achieving renewable energy and climate goals. My name is Rebecca Sternberg. I'm the vice president of the energy and climate practice at Three Degrees, and I'm really excited today to have with me Valerie Cardwell from Comcast and Beth Batayas. I'm going to turn it over to them to introduce themselves and tell you a little bit about their organizations and their overall goals. Why don't I turn it first to Beth? Okay, great. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with everyone virtually. I'm Beth Batayas and I work with Bank of America. I am part of our environmental social governance group and specifically sit on the environmental team. And really through our ESG work, we look to drive social equity, economic mobility, and of course, environmental sustainability. And really those principles kind of guide us around how we treat our employees, our customers, how we minimize risk, how we deploy capital. And of course, you know how we really ultimately at the end of the day act as a good corporate citizen. And so what I thought I would do today just to open up is give you a little bit of insight into kind of my day-to-day role and how that plays into our renewable commitment. So essentially in my day-to-day role, I lead environmental operations globally, which is a variety of things really focused on reducing our environmental impact. And we have roughly 13 2020 public goals that I'm working to achieve. And of course, one of those is our 100% renewable goal, as well as our carbon neutrality goal. And so if you're looking at this slide, you can see that the bank actually reached our carbon neutral goal by the end of 2019. And I wanted to just give you a little bit of insight here with this slide as to kind of what that means and and how we achieve that goal to lead into the conversation today. So 
wanted to do is just, you know, when we look to achieve both of these goals, we set an overarching mission, which really tied into not only our ESG strategy, but also our responsible growth framework. And within that, we are striving to reach the 100% renewable goal in a way that is innovative, but also really maximizes our impact. And so when we think about that, we look across our full operations and you'll see that the first thing that we did in our goal to get to carbon neutrality is to really look across where we can reduce our emissions. So since 2010, we've reduced our emissions by 56%, and we're hoping to continue that trajectory beyond 2020. The next thing we did was purchase 100% renewable electricity, and we've done that through a variety, leveraging really a variety of tactics and ultimately building a portfolio and within that, creating a hierarchy and really around where we wanted to start and focus. And I think we'll talk more about that later. And then finally, for what's left over for us within scope one and scope two emissions, there are a few things that we had to purchase carbon offsets for. And so you'll see just a brief overview there of some of the ways in which we supported projects around on-site solar. Of course, some of the deals that you'll hear me talk about today around long-term renewable energy credits for new projects, as well as PPAs. And then, of course, highlighting one of the offset projects here. So with that, I'll pass it back to Rebecca to take us to the next phase. Great. Valerie, can I ask you to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you're doing at Comcast? Great. Thanks, Becky. Hi, I'm Valerie Cardwell. I'm with the Office of Sustainability. I specifically support our implementation of strategic initiatives across our different focus areas and our aspirational goals. As our slide shows, Comcast in 2018 announced that it was going to 100% renewable energy, zero emissions, and zero waste. And more recently, our Sky Division announced that it was setting a target of zero carbon by 2030. And at Comcast, we have a term we call crawl, walk, run. And I'd like to say that we are in the crawling to walking stage, so to speak, because we started down this sustainability journey more recently. As I said, we set our goals in 2018, but the Office of Sustainability itself was formed in 2017. So as I mentioned, I work across all our focus areas, but I specifically lead the implementation of our renewable energy strategy. And similar to what Beth was saying, we we look at our business. It's a very different and diverse business. Many people are familiar with Comcast's cable division. That's where our technicians come out and we provide video, internet services, phone services, et cetera. But Comcast NBC Universal also has theme parks and studio, TV studios. So our footprint and our facilities vary in size and scope and energy usage. So the tactics that we use around renewable energy really differ, not only by, again, business unit, but also by location. So I guess our main focus on getting to renewable energy, 100% renewable energy, has what's the right fit for that business, that location, and we'll talk more about some of the things that we've implemented. Thank you to both of you. Today's session is focused on innovation. And so in the next few questions, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you've had to do things differently, either internally or look at different types of work or different types of projects to address some of your unique goals and complexities. So, so let me start then with Valerie. You clearly have a very complicated footprint with a lot of different sources and scopes of emissions and opportunities for improvements and reduction. So can you talk a little bit about 
how you've addressed that complexity in some of the work that you've been doing. So, yeah, as I mentioned before, as I'm really at NBCU, we also have Spectacore. It's an arena business. And our strategy has been what are the options? And, uh, you know, this isn't a plug for Three Degrees, but Three Degrees is a great partner of ours. And they've tremendously helped us really break down what are the different options and levers and pillars that we can employ at each of our locations and for each of our business units. So we really have to, I mean, we have it at a very, very minute level, thanks to all the great work with Three Degrees. We had to flush it out. And then from there, then we start the building blocks as to what makes sense for each of these business units. So we are currently doing heavy on on-site solar. We just recently shared our out in LA, our NBC Youth Studios. We call it Area 71, but we just put solar on that. And about half of the energy for that location will be provided by on-site solar. But again, because of our unique footprint our locations, you know, our technical facilities, sometimes they're as big as like a, a, a garden shed, but there are numerous of them. So on-site solar is going to go where it fits, but we really have to rely on more contractual arrangements, whether it's through third-party contractual arrangements in deregulated states and then in regulated states. So Sometimes I personally feel like we're chasing the opportunities because it's a matter of, oh, okay, Oregon's offering something, but we were able to jump into that opportunity. This is Portland Gas and Electric's green future energy products. We're able to take advantage of that. So again, there's no one size fits all. And I guess the other thing I would add is it really depends on that business unit and the leadership. As I mentioned, in our cable divisions, we have three divisions, and each of the leaders has a different philosophy and approach. And so we've really leaned heavy where those leaders want to go fast and hard on sustainability. Not that we're leaving anyone behind, but, you know, again, we try to do things where it makes the most sense, but we can also get the most traction. So many of our on-site solar projects, going back to that, there's so many complexities in terms of the local jurisdiction, the regulations, et cetera. So it's really like a hybrid of decision-making on where you, you try to move something forward. But I guess what I'm also here to do is encourage any company that's just starting down this path is no small feat is unappreciated. Every little bit counts. And so, like I said, we do on-site solar in very strategic locations, but we're a very large company that uses a lot of energy. So we just look at kind of making strides in all of the different areas. And again, I can't speak heavily enough about the partnership with Three Degrees. It's helped us tremendously give us the momentum and the focus and the ability to help take some of the transactions across the finish line. Thank you, Valerie. I appreciate it very much. Beth, if you could talk a little bit about some of the innovations and opportunities that Bank of America has been able to take advantage of, particularly in my mind is the REC PPA that you did with Three Degrees. So I'd love to hear what's different about that transaction, in particular, how you're, how you're enabling some co-benefits in the community and from an environmental perspective with that project. So Valerie had a lot of good points. So I won't, <laughs> I won't add too much to that, but on-site solar certainly was our first focus as well, but it doesn't work out everywhere, right? And so when we look beyond that, we identified a couple tax equity deals where we could do some transactions related to that to contribute to operations. And then from there, it was really looking at our main areas where we have load and a lot of employees and figuring out what options existed as Valerie referenced. What can we do in these particular states or regions? And then from there, really honing in on where we wanted to focus 
And so in conversations with three degrees, you know, talking through things that were important to us as we make decisions, you know, around ESG and around transacting for these renewable deals, it became apparent that particularly in our headquarters state, we're limited on what options we have. So it's a regulated state, North Carolina, and it's important to us to really do something to add new renewables in that particular state. And so worked with Three Degrees to identify four new solar projects that, to your point, when it comes to co-benefits, we've outlined a few key things that are important to us around the existing land use. We want these projects to be in low to moderate income communities. We want them to have some kind of economic development benefit, as well as we want all of these projects to have pollinator habitat. So that is a requirement that we've kind of built in and we're trying to influence wherever we possibly can. And so it's just thinking about, you know, as we're going to contract, what are the opportunities we have beyond just, of course, the addition of renewables, which is our first focus? Are there some things that we can do that add benefit to these particular projects and the communities in which they're going to operate? And so that's been a big focus for us and will continue to be. I will say, too, you know, that's the most recent work we've done with Three Degrees in North Carolina. But before that, we did a really unique project in Minnesota, which does cover our load. And all of these are long-term rec projects where we get all the recs long-term. And in that particular one, it was the first ever of its kind. It was a wind-solar hybrid project. And the local community members of the co-op actually are receiving a discount on their electricity as a result. So those are the kind of unique projects that we want to support in regions where We don't really have other opportunities to do something that also perhaps includes electricity. Great. Thank you. Beth, I'm going to start the next question with you, but Valerie will carry it from there. If you could tell me a little bit about how you aligned some of those co-benefits with the internal approval, if you will, of these projects. You know, in a previous conversation, I think you had mentioned that this is very much part of your mission and it was essential for you to align meeting a renewables goal with other parts of the company's mission. If you could talk a little bit about that and any challenges you faced getting folks to understand the alignment here, and particularly if you had to make any trade-offs, if you had to pay a little bit more for some for certain aspects of those additional benefits for, for the project, how you were able to get internal stakeholders on board with that. So yeah, I think there's a few key points I would highlight there. So we have made the commitment to 100% renewable in 2016. I started deeply working on this in 2017. And so it was important, you know, we knew we could get to the goal with unbundled racks, but in 2017, we really made the strategic decision to reach that goal buying as little unbundled racks as we can, meaning to focus on being very responsible for adding new renewables, you know, so kind of transitioning to that. And then from there, Tying that specific mission into, I think I mentioned it before, responsible growth and the ESG framework, which are intertwined here at the company. And so from that, I was able to show that, you know, if we're doing this, we want to do this in the most impactful way possible and getting leadership to understand that and to buy into this mission statement. So we literally have a formal mission statement for our renewable goal. And then from there, it was education constant and engagement around, okay, so we committed to this and this from the information we understand and from having the most impact, this is a hierarchy. And these are the tools that we think 
are best for us. And we chose the hierarchy and the tools for us around responsibility for new renewables, but also around risk mitigation. That's something that's really important to us. So where we can minimize risk and price volatility in the utility you know, electricity market, that was also important to us. Certainly looking at return on investment, et cetera. That's important tax incentives for on-site solar help drive that forward. But at the end of the day, we built a portfolio approach and made it very clear that we're going to leverage a variety of these mechanisms to to reach our goal. And with that, we're going to try to capitalize on any reputational benefits that we can. And so just really weaving those kind of three or four principles into this is why we're taking this path. And then, you know, constantly engaging and educating along the way to the point of, hey, by the way, we're starting with Texas, for example, and figuring out who are the people who are going to have to sign off on that and educating them six months in advance to where we're going to come back with a contract or whatever it may be. But really that constant education and engagement through the process was important. Got it. Well, Valerie, I think this is a good opportunity for you to talk. I'd like to, to learn a little bit more about your process internally What's been challenging to get to sort of educate, to, to borrow Beth's word, your internal stakeholders on as a, with respect to renewables and the complexities and different types of projects and work that you've had to do to start to crawl to meet those goals? And how have you approached overcoming those challenges internally? Yeah, just to pick up on what Beth was saying in terms of identification of who the key stakeholders are, who has to sign off. That's a challenge unto itself, you know, depending on how large your company is and how many business units you have within a state. So in this business, I I would just say you have to be patient and flexible because, (laughs) you know, you could take the same story to a a different stakeholder and they have the completely different opinion or feedback on it. So this is a, I think, and this is a long game and my suggestion, or if I bring people onto the team, I say, I, I try to really warn them and just say, listen, not everybody is into sustainability and stuff. So people, I feel like people bring their personal values and passion about sustainability, especially to work. And so, as I mentioned before, we have some leaders who are contacting us trying to partner. In some cases, we've got to knock on their door and try to convince them, quite honestly. As Beth was mentioning, we do look at it from a brand impact. We're a technology company. So sustainability and innovation are just where we should be because we know that this is important to customers, our employees, and our shareholders. But everybody's not, like I said, personally there. So we spend a lot of time, as Beth mentioned, telling the story over and over again. And some cases like looking for little wins We do a transaction here, our Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, for example, which is where the Philadelphia Flyers play. That was our first 100% renewable energy transaction. And so that kind of got us on the map. And so that helped give some lift, if you will, to telling the story to all the different business units that we knock on the door. And sometimes there is a sense of urgency sometimes around these transactions. So for example, with Oregon, when we did decide we were going to take advantage of that green tariff offering, I mean, you had to sign up and and push the button at exactly a point in time and hope that you got in. So you're going to these business units and you're selling them on these ideas, but you're also saying, 
we might not get there. It might not work. You're, you're always tempering your story, if you will. Again, it's the little wins that we try to use to continue to tell the story. Comcast just recently put out its 2020 values report, and we were happy to be included in that, telling some of the great stories. And just the fact that we'll have on-site solar in all four of our business units by the end of this year. Again, little strides mean a lot when it comes to sustainability. That's that's kind of my personal belief, and, and that's how we've been able, I think, to keep the wind going. And everything doesn't always turn out to, to going across the finish line, but just the race itself sometimes is the momentum that you need to help get other deals or transactions across the story. But it's a long game. I will have to say that for us anyway. Yeah, I love that. Great. Well, we're coming to the end of our short time here. So I'm going to ask each of you, you know, I've heard some clear themes here. It's important to identify who the stakeholders are. You know, this is a long game. There's a lot of complexity and a lot of options. Telling stories, meeting everybody where they are personally in accordance with their values, and then aligning the renewables work to the broader mission of the company is is another theme that I heard. Beth, if I could ask you to start, as we round up here, what would be the one, or I should say the biggest learning, I'm sure there are many, learning that you've had that you'd like to share with the audience in pushing forward a new approach for your organization? Sure, goodness. And there are a few. I think we've definitely touched on some of them through our conversation already. The thing that I would say has really helped us be successful is to create this overarching plan that includes multiple mechanisms and getting buy-in on that overarching plan across multiple stakeholders from the beginning so that you know this concept of not getting hung up on, okay, what's the return on on-site solar for this particular site, right? So looking across all the mechanisms, all the things we're going to do, the 60-plus sites that we've identified for on-site solar, that was one business case where the return across all sites made sense, didn't meet our typical hurdle rates, but we were willing to kind of make that commitment for this goal. And then looking at all the different other deals that you're going to do, so it becomes kind of this balanced portfolio. And that has helped us tremendously because we're not getting hung up on every single little project needing a particular return. This is a holistic approach of a balanced portfolio. So that's been the biggest thing that's helped. I'll get all of these deals and things kind of moving forward and a lot more to go. And I would just echo what Valerie said of last year was an instrumental big year for us to get a lot of things done going forward. I am going to do one thing at a time. (laughs) (laughs) I would also add the importance of using external experts. That's an important part of the education, but also when you get to the contracting phase, their expertise is invaluable. That's good advice for all of us personally and professionally. And with that, Valerie, if you could share what your biggest lesson learned has been that's helped you get where you are today. Yeah, just to add on what Beth said, you know, there's a lot of surprises in this. It's sort of like, I hate to use this analogy, but, you know, you, you want to renovate your bathroom or your kitchen. You think it's going to take six weeks, but, you know, double the time. With these <laughs> transactions, it might have to double or triple the time, especially with on-site solar. Every jurisdiction, every municipality has its own requirements and expectations, and, and the surprises don't happen until you start breaking ground. Just be patient, expect surprises, and be able to pivot. 
we have a project going in. And this was in addition to COVID. We learned that the approval process was going to take much longer than any other project we had done. We shifted that money and tried to fit something else in that we felt we could get across the finish line. So it's almost like always thinking, okay, this is the plan. But then when the plan doesn't happen as planned, make sure you have a plan B so that you can quickly allocate that money and get something done. It may not look even anything like what you started out with, but again, stressing that flexibility and the ability to pivot to do something else and get those small wins. I think that that's been our key to success here. Great. Thank you. I, and that's a great summary, Valerie. I want to thank you both for your time today and for sharing a little part of your journey, which I know you're still on and will be on for a long time. Thank you, Valerie, for the long game comment. I think that's absolutely true. Really appreciate it. And and thank everybody for listening. Thanks to Becky, Valerie, and Beth for this inspiring conversation. To learn more about them, see their bios and related links in the show notes for this episode. And to learn how you can become a part of the next edition of our Renewable Energy Sourcing Forum, taking place December 7 through 11, visit our website, smartenergydecisions.com, or email our event operations director, Lisa Carroll. Her email address is lisa at smartenergydecisions.com and can be found in the show notes. To our listeners, thanks for engaging with our content and being a part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. If you enjoyed the episode, Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and tell your colleagues and peers about it. We're really excited about the first season of conversations with leaders in the energy transition and hope they help you make smart energy decisions. Thanks for listening to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast. Digest the insights from today's episode and take action on the ideas that have inspired you. Join us every Friday for conversations with smart energy leaders. We also invite you to check out another SED podcast, Beyond the Meter. Each episode of Beyond the Meter features innovative energy projects and initiatives by large electric power users. To keep up to date with trends and happenings in the energy transition, visit smartenergydecisions.com to register for our daily newsletter and become part of the Smart Energy Decisions community.